hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Josh and I love rubber bands. We love them because we use them to close up chip bags. We use them to categorize paper. We use them to hang up blanket forts. We use them to have rubber band wars, which are hours of entertainment in our household. We love them because they are stretchy. And if you take the same size, but a string, you can fit this much into it. But if you take a rubber band, you can fit a whole lot more, right? (laughs) You can fit a lot into a rubber band. You can take a string and you can throw it at someone. (laughs) Or you can take a rubber band and and you can shoot them. Wow, that was like a David and Goliath moment. (laughs) I'm glad you're still alive. (laughs) We love rubber bands because they are stretchy. And I want to talk to you tonight about how God calls you as his follower to be stretchy. Repeatedly, we see over and over again in the scriptures how God stretches the ones who follow him. And over this past year, we have been diving in and out of the book of Luke. So we are going to take the next couple of weeks and dive once again into the book of Luke, and we'll be exploring chapters 9 to 11 over these next few weeks, examining the new way of life that Jesus calls his followers into. And the verses that we'll be focusing on tonight we're going to see how the followers had to be stretchy in order to follow in the new way. And if you want to follow in the new way, then you too must be stretchy. So, why do we want to be stretchy? Because when we are stretched, we get the privileged place despite the discomfort, to make room for God to move. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke 9, 1 to 6. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you call us to follow you. I thank you that in that following, you will stretch us beyond our comfort zone and beyond our vision. And I ask you tonight that you would stir something up on the inside of us, that we would be willing to be stretched by Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read this portion of Scripture, and then I'm going to summarize a very similar story that happens just one chapter later in Luke 10. But the question I want you to immediately ask yourself is, Who gets the privilege of being stretched by Christ? Luke 9. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. 
and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off their feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. In this story, who does Jesus stretch? His disciples. And what we see in Luke 10, which is a very similar situation where he calls 70 followers together, or 72, depending on your translation, he calls the 70 together and he tells them the same thing. Go out, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Who does he call Who does he give that assignment to? His followers. And when I read this, I wondered, how did Jesus pick these 70? And if I want to be picked, what do I need to do? Because he didn't give the assignment to the religious leaders. He didn't give the assignment to strangers. He didn't give the assignment to the people who followed him on Facebook. He gave the assignment to his followers. So what does it mean to be a follower? The main Greek word for follow in the New Testament is akalotheo. And it means to follow one who proceeds, join him as his his attendant, accompany him, to cleave steadfastly to one, conform wholly to his example in living and if need be in dying. Think of it like a relationship between a duck and a duckling. The duckling follows the mama duck wherever she goes. He learns how to quack like a duck, how to paddle like a duck, how to eat like a duck. He conforms wholly to the mama duck's example. And a follower of Christ conforms wholly to Jesus' example. If you are a follower, you desire to act, to think, to walk like Jesus. Now, we don't have these types of relationships in our modern world per se, But it was very common back then for young Jewish boys to desire to be a Talmud. And a Talmud was someone who would go through the religious studies from age five, go all the way through the religious studies, and if they were good enough, if they were the best of the best, then they could be a Talmud. They could be a student who goes to a rabbi and says, may I study under you? And if that rabbi says yes, then they follow that rabbi everywhere he goes. They desire to be conformed completely into that rabbi's image in their praying, in their talking, in their scripture reading, in their eating, in their sleeping, in their everything they do, they desire to be like the rabbi. And a follower of Christ is like a Talmud. 
striving to become like Jesus. But what's interesting about Jesus is that when Jesus approached and invited the disciples to follow him, when he appointed the 70 followers, he reversed this process. He approached them. They didn't approach him. Thus saying that you don't have to be the elite of the elite to be a Talmud. You just have to be willing. Followers are willing ones. And if you are willing, if you want to act, to think, to walk like Christ, to be his follower, then just like we see in the example of the disciples, he will respond to that yes in your heart, and he will stretch you. He will stretch you beyond your comfort zone. So what did being stretched look like for the disciples and the followers in this story? Well, some scholars think that at the time of Luke 9, it had already been two years into Jesus's ministry. That means that the disciples and the followers had had two years of watching Jesus preach to the crowds, two years of watching Jesus heal the sick and cast out demons, two years of learning his ways. And then comes the day when Jesus didn't just have them watch. He has them go out and do it. They go from being on the sidelines where they were helping cheer and passing out Gatorade to getting in the game. Now, I imagine Jesus calling all the disciples and all the 70 together in a huddle, and he's saying, okay, come on, team. This is your first big assignment. I'm going to send you out two by two. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And he's like, I want you to heal the sick and cast out demons. And they're like, yeah, 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 okay. And he's like, and I don't want you to take any money, any bag, any staff, any extra pair of shoes, nothing. And they're like, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I want you to do this. I want you to be stretched. And the reason they said yes is because they were willing. They left their comfortable spots on the sidelines and they stepped into the game. Jesus never called you to stay on the sidelines in Christianity. Yes, be there for a time, observe, watch. That's what the disciples did. But at some point, if you are a follower of Christ, he will stretch you to get into the game, to step beyond your comfort zone. To be a follower is to be stretched by Christ, and to be stretched by him is a sign that you're a believer. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you just watch the pastor pray for other people or you watch the youth leader give their testimony. It means that you step out, that you step out of your comfort zone and you do it. Will you feel ready? Probably not. 
Will it be messy? Probably. But that didn't stop the disciples from saying yes. You know, when I read this story, I wondered why there's only a very general report after they come back about what happened. There's not specific stories of the healings that happened or the, all the stories that happened along this way. And I asked myself, why? Why is there not the specifics from their stories? And I think it's because it was messy. Jesus didn't want us to model the way we do ministry based on the disciples' experience there. They were like four-year-olds trying to create a master sandcastle. It didn't look that great. But they did it. They stepped out of their comfort zone. Because anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. So when I lived in Kansas City, um, I wanted to grow in prophecy, which is hearing God's voice and sharing that with others. And in Kansas City at our church, they had something called the prophecy rooms, where people from all over the world would come and would receive prophecy. And so they had these prophecy teams, about 12 to 15 people on a team, who would be the people who'd prophesy over all these visitors and people coming in wanting prophecy. And because I wanted to grow in hearing God's voice, and Josh did too, we were like, let's join a team. Just get amongst it. And so our slot was 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. And we show up at 3.30 for the, deep, or for the brief and we're sitting in this room with 12 other people, and he's like, all right, guys, we're going to send you into separate rooms. There'll be two or three of you to prophesy over the three people who come in, and I want you to pray over them for 60 seconds, and then I want you to listen to God for 20 seconds, and then just go. And we're like, 20 seconds? That's it? That's all we have to listen to what God is saying for them? We're new at this. We don't know what we're doing. And I just felt this creeping feeling of like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have signed up for this. I am not spiritual enough for this. I'm not in tune with the spirit enough for this. I don't know what I'm doing. But he released us to go, and we separated into these um, different rooms And it was Josh and I, and then another guy who was more confident than we were. And he was just briefing us before these people came in, and he was like, you guys are going to do great. I just want to give you one heads up, one warning, that if the people who come in are international, that means they spend a lot of money and a lot of time to get here. So their expectations are like real high. So just know that if they're international, they will probably take whatever you say as the word of the Lord. We're like, okay, good to know. So we're sitting there. Who comes in? Three people who don't speak English at all, (laughs) who have traveled a very long way to get there, and they sit down in front of us, and I realize in that moment that apart from God, I have nothing to offer them. If he doesn't move... I have nothing. But when God stretches you, it makes space for him to move. And in that 
next 15, 20 minutes with those people, God spoke through us. And those people's lives were touched because of it. Because we were willing to be stretched, God moved. And over the weeks and the months and the years that we continued to do the prophecy rooms, we were stretched again and again and again until it felt comfortable. And so you know what God does? He gives you a bigger rubber band, (laughs) and then he stretches that. Because he is in the business of stretching us, because he wants to show up. When you are willing to be stretched, to step out, God will do something bigger than what you can imagine. He will stretch your vision. When Jesus asked the disciples and the followers to go out and preach the good news and heal the sick, he was inviting them into the great story of history that he was writing. It was bigger than the disciples' limited view. And if we don't allow this stretching, Speaker Karl Martin puts it this way, if your vision is not beyond you, your purpose will be about you, your team will only serve you, and your dream will die with you. But that was not the case for the disciples. From this 12, from this 70, Jesus birthed a movement that would transform the rest of history. Because when you follow Christ, he will stretch you beyond what you see, beyond your vision. And it's no longer, how can I build my wealth? How can I make a name for myself? How can I have impact? But how can I build the kingdom? How can I build God's name? If you follow Christ, he will stretch you to see outside of yourself. He'll invite you into something greater than yourself. And when you catch hold of a vision... You are willing to pay the cost. I remember in my elementary and intermediate years, I bought into a vision that was outside of myself. You see, I was a a Girl Scout, much, very similar to Girls Brigade, yeah? And every year, our troop leader would call us all together, and they would say, guys, it's that time of the year where we get to sell cookies. And we, as a troop, are going to commit to selling more cookies than any of the other troops. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) And so I went out. But it was scary. Because as an eight-year-old, going up to people and asking them if they want to buy cookies is, is very scary. It's very intimidating, right? But because I had caught the vision of selling more cookies than all the other troops, I was willing to pay the price of the humiliation or the no's or any time that I felt rejected because of that. I was willing to pay the price because I had caught hold of a vision. And we sold a lot of cookies. I was very proud of our troop. (laughs) The effort and the humiliation was worth it 
because I had caught that vision. And the followers caught Jesus' vision to preach the gospel in all the world, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he warned them that they would face humiliation. He warned them that they would face persecution. But because their vision had been stretched beyond themselves, they were still willing. If you're too terrified to step out of your comfort zone, then perhaps you need God to remind you of the vision that you are called into as his followers. You are called to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Do you share your faith with others? Do you pray for those who are sick and care for them? Do you walk with people on the journey of inner healing? Do you ask God, what can I be doing that is outside of my own benefit? So every week, I shop at Pack and Save. It's the best place to shop, especially the one that's right next door. And I was chatting about two years ago to one of the employees there, and it became very clear that she doesn't know Christ. She's not a Christian. And all of a sudden, I just had this realization that Jesus desired the gospel to be preached in all the world, including pack and save. And I was like, God, I want to see a beautiful salvation harvest come out of pack and save. I have a vision to see the employees just begin to get saved. And so now when I go into pack and say, I'm praying for the employees and I'm building relationship with them and sharing Christ with them. It doesn't always look like, well, in Genesis, this happened. And in Exodus, it doesn't look like that. It's relational building, but it's stepping out of your comfort zone because you have a greater vision to see God move. And the reason that I'm willing to step out is because of what Luke 10, 1 says. It says, And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Jesus sent his disciples and followers out to the place where he himself was about to go. When Christ asks you to step out, it's because he's about to step in. Are you making space as you step out for God to move? So how is God asking you to step out? How is he inviting you to go outside of your comfort zone? Can I have the band up? So I was talking to someone in our congregation several months ago, and they were sharing how they really get nervous, and they don't like it at all, praying out loud for people. And they just felt they stumble over their words, and they feel dumb and praying, and so they're just like, ugh, I just don't like doing it. 
And then over the last few months, they've began to pray during connect groups. They've began to pray for people when we're up here briefing. They've stepped out of their comfort zone and began to pray for people around them. And I have seen Georgia step out over and over again, even though she's been scared to do it. And as she has stepped out, I have been incredibly touched by some of her prayers during Connect Group. Because she has made space for God to move, even though it was uncomfortable. Are you regularly stepping out and making space for him to move? There's a song that we used to sing at my last church in Kansas City. And it would say, catch me up in your story all my life for your glory. We get the divine and beautiful privilege to be caught up in his story. And as we're caught up in his story, he will be glorified through our lives. But to be caught up in his story means that you will be stretched. So are you willing? As we close tonight, I want you to ask God one question. What does it look like for me to step out of my comfort zone? And if that makes you nervous, good. He's about to stretch you. He's about to move as you make that space. Bill Johnson often uses the phrase, God-sized dream. This is a dream that you can't make happen on your own. This is a dream that will stretch you and make space for God to do something amazing. So are you willing? Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.